Didn't you just love the worship today? Didn't you love the scripture readings? They gave us God's vision for all nations together, and I'd like to share with you from those scriptures today. God's vision for all nations is the opposite of racism. As we read through those scriptures, one thing that struck me was that God said he blessed the whole world through Abraham's descendants, yet the Jewish people have suffered more racism, perhaps, than any other nation in history. I'm so glad, though, when I look out over this congregation, I have not ever met a racist person at Moncton Wesleyan Church, not even once. I know for sure that if any one of you came upon someone who was of another race or religion and they were hurting and broken, you, like a good Samaritan, would do everything in your power to help them. And I give you credit for that. But I do want to talk about racism for a second because it's what's wrong. And we need to get it right this morning, church. So we're going to do that. But in order to talk about these issues, I need your help. I need you to give me a break, okay? Just give me a break. The politically correct terminology changes every 10 years. Every time I think I'm using the right term, I'm using the wrong term. Some people are ready to be offended. Others are terrified they'll offend someone, so they stay away from them. Do you see how that's not working? It's actually keeping us apart. So would you give me a break this morning? Say, I'll give you a break. Okay, and to the person beside you, say, I'll give you a break too. Okay, so now we're just going to let all that tension out, okay? All right, now we're going to look at a gauge over here. I love great big heavy props. I don't know why, but anyway, I do. Thank you, Kevin, for making this. Okay, this is a, a gauge, like an RPM gauge on your car, perhaps. And on the one end is racism and hate. This has been responsible for genocide, the Holocaust, wars, and unspeakable atrocities in human history. It is utterly illogical and ugly. But towards the middle, there's a neutral point, and over here, there's another point. Now, you would think, okay, this point, this point's going to be, that's racist, so this point's not racist, right? No, wrong. So, this is not racist. It's a neutral point. It's a point where you say, hey, look, I love everybody. I really do. But uh, I'm more comfortable with people like me who understand me. And when we do that, we self-segregate ourselves and we miss out on the power and beauty of a unified body of Christ. Sometimes we can be so polite to someone and we think, there, we're, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. No, you're stuck in neutral because being polite is just supposed to be the introduction so you can get to know somebody. So we'll leave that up and let you ponder it. But I want to test you for a second, church, this morning and, and, and give me grace, give me a break because this one might bring something up in your spirit. I want you right now to picture your children or your grandchildren, a nephew or a niece or whatever, and they're in the children's ministry. And then, and then they're growing up in the youth ministry with a diverse bunch of kids. And they know each other. They love each other. They're friends. And then they become young adults. And then your child, grandchild, or niece, or nephew marries someone from another culture or race. Is there any little thing coming up in you going, Ugh. if there is, would you pray to God 
and ask him to tell you why that's happening. The opposite of hate is love. The opposite of racism is integration. Loving fellowship is God's vision for all nations. That's our goal. Second, God loves immigrants, so we do too. Abraham was an uninvited immigrant to the promised land. Israelites were an alien nation residing in Egypt for 400 years. Mary and Joseph fled with baby Jesus as refugees to escape butchery. The apostles were migrant workers taking the gospel to all nations. The Bible says in Exodus 22:21, do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner for you were foreigners in Egypt. In other words, you know how it feels. All through the Bible, foreigners are included along with widows and orphans as groups that the people of God should take care of. And church, how could we not care about refugees of war after reading Proverbs 24, 11? Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those who are staggering towards slaughter. And Jesus said in Matthew 25, 35, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. When we welcome foreigners, we are welcoming Jesus and serving him. Church, immigration was a spiritual issue long before it became a political one. However, in order to make a spiritual point, could you humor me for one second? I want to do a very amateur economic analysis of immigration in New Brunswick. It's what I've heard, okay? Basically, New Brunswick has a shrinking population. Our children love to go to Ontario and Alberta. And those of us that stay here, we seem to be quite preoccupied, and we don't get around to having enough babies. 1.71 kids per woman, which I think means we're going extinct slowly. I, I think, too, this means that you're working really hard right now, and you're looking forward to your retirement, but if things don't change, there's not going to be enough people working when you're retired to pay for your retirement and for your health care. Okay? So now, forgive me if I got anything wrong, but basically the idea is, hey, if we bring in a bunch of new people that like to have kids, maybe that'll fix the problem. Okay, so I do not have a degree in economics. But speaking as a pastor, the funny thing to me is how the secular politics of immigration are actually working to strengthen the church and accomplish the Great Commission. So let me explain. The first thing is, the percentage of immigrants that are coming over who are Christians is much higher than the percentage of immigrants that are generally in our culture right now. So secular politicians pursuing their secular agendas are bringing Christians to us. <laughs> I love it. I love it. With values that we share from the Word of God. The, the second thing is that we've been working extremely hard as a church worldwide to send out missionaries to all nations. And now, the secular politics are bringing all nations to us. And they're bringing them often out of areas that are very hard for them to hear the gospel in or where there's severe penalties if they come to Christ. And they're in a free environment where they can now respond. Man, we have an opportunity. As we work together with our Christian brothers and sisters who are immigrants, we can also reach all nations who aren't Christians that are here. And we can become an integrated body. Guys, it's almost like there's someone 
or something bigger than all the politicians that's in control. God loves immigrants, so we do too. We welcome you, our brothers and sisters in Christ, from, from doctors to refugees, from bankers to bakers, from pastors to programmers. We love you, and we want to get to know you, and we rejoice that God has a reason that you are here. We're so glad. The third thing I noticed from these scriptures read today was that worshiping Jesus together truly makes us brothers and sisters. Did you know that in the Bible it's actually not often a positive thing when all the nations get together? Right at the start of the Bible, God said to the nations, okay guys, spread out, fill the earth, and call on my name for help. And so the people said, let's cluster together, let's build a big tower, and make a name for ourselves. And so God sent the languages of the world upon them so they couldn't communicate in this endeavor and put them out there. And at the end of the Bible, Satan actually deceives all the nations of the world and rallies them against God in a counterfeit worship and attacks the people of God and only the second coming of Jesus Christ prevents that. So all nations is actually a neutral thing. It depends what they're coming together around. But in Colossians 3.11, as Ben Carr read, it says that in the church we have a unity where Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, Moncton Wesleyan's all-nation ministry will differ from secular multiculturalism in two key ways. Yes, there's lots of overlap, but two key differences. Number one is we will proclaim that Jesus is the way. God's ministry to all nations does not come by saying that all religious teachings are equal. In the Bible, Jesus sat down with a very devout Jew, Nicodemus. And he said, Nicodemus, even you must be born again. You see, what Nicodemus had learned from his religion was a great foundation, but only, he would only find completion. He would only find that what he was seeking if he responded to Christ and was born again. Therefore, we will invite Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, spiritualists, and people of no faith to respond to the good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The second way that this differs from secular multiculturalism is that we are not relativizing our values. We are activating them. The world's current version of unity erases almost all values, replacing them with one value of universal acceptance. It quotes the scripture, God is love, but forgets that the same book of 1 John also says God is light, and we cannot have fellowship with him if we live in the darkness of unconfessed sin. So how do we get this unity where Christ is all and is in all? I came across from another pastor that's been doing ministry with multicultural settings, a great study done by World Vision and some partners. They went and checked out what's been going on in Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal for the last couple generations as immigrants have come in and how that's worked in the church. They found that 60% of recent immigrants felt very welcomed into Canadian churches. Church, that's good news. Very welcomed into Canadian churches. But only 32% of recent immigrants felt that they were integrated into the life of the church. They did not establish deep relationships, and they were not able to become leaders within the church, so the welcome was great, but it was superficial. 
Because of this, many immigrants have opted to form ethno-specific churches, like a Korean church or a Congolese church. There they quickly build relationships, the worship's familiar, they're able to use their gifts and be leaders, but there are a few limitations on that, even though it's a great thing. One of the limitations is that the kids of immigrants integrate very well in society, and after a while, they actually feel disconnected from the ethno-specific church, and sometimes leave the faith. Often those churches age out. They suffer from not enough resources, and they don't integrate as well with Canadian society or other immigrant groups as they could have. And it's maybe not what they had in mind when they came to Canada to begin with. There's definitely a place for ethno-specific churches, but right here at Moncton Wesleyan, we have a golden opportunity to become an integrated church where we know one another, we love one another, and we accomplish the great commission together with a kingdom synergy that is absolutely exponential. How Moncton Wesleyan is going to join in God's vision for all nations? Well, we're going to start with integration from top to bottom. The church board has affirmed that we are committed to becoming an integrated church. This is part of a larger awareness that the composition of our church board and pastoral team needs to have more women leaders, and we need to do a better job in reaching the Acadian population. In fact, our small group launches in the fall will feature some groups just targeted at Acadians. But within that larger picture, we see in particular for immigrants, we see them serving in every ministry. We see you, our brothers and sisters, becoming leaders of various ministries. We see you being represented on the church board. We see as time and opportunity presents itself, you being on staff or pastoral positions. This will be a church where the gifts and passions of all people can be used to their fullest. Second thing is integrated small groups. Small groups are so important that Jesus made, his, made one with 12 disciples, and then when the early church launched, they were meeting in home groups. And it's particularly important if you've come new to Canada and left behind family and friends, or if you've converted to Jesus and been ostracized by former family and friends. Psalm 68, 6 says, The lonely I will set in families. These all-nations small groups will have people that are immigrants and local people, and they will integrate together in worship, prayer, study, and serving our community. Pastor Pat has done a fantastic job in getting these going. If you'd like to join one, whether you're local or immigrant, then take out your card in front of you and write on Integrated Small Group. And you can have an opportunity there. We will also have frontline welcome by immigrants for immigrants and follow-up by immigrants for immigrants. We will be collecting furniture for newcomers who do not have the means to outfit their new apartment or home. And we'll also help local people with limited means. You can be part of that. We will have multicultural events like this one in the church and in the community. Summer Spectacular on Saturday has some elements like that. We will have English language acquisition Thank you, Drew Stoltz, for your leadership in that. And we have the opportunity for you to become Family Connection volunteers. You could do a six-month commitment through MAGMA to simply be a friend to a refugee as they get used to this strange new world. This will show the, Jesus, the love of Jesus wonderfully, and it will dramatically increase your own cross-cultural skills. I want to thank you 
to those of you who signed up to do this, actually, and have begun it uh, at the Love My City month. Again, you can fill out a Connect card if you want to be part of that. The bottom line is, guys, the categories of us and them need to be replaced by we. Just we. No us in them. Just we. And you know how you can get started today at the potluck following? Ask somebody their story. Because I guarantee you that God is in that story and he will knit your heart together with that person as you share your stories with one another. Now I'd like to invite two extraordinary people up. Their names are Corey and Jen Ellison. You have not met them before. They have an amazing daughter, Leanna. They studied at Kingswood University, have been in various parts of the United States as uh, professors and pastors and uh, working at homeless shelters and whatnot. And guess where they're going to be missionaries? Mongolia. Now you might be wondering, what does immigrants in Moncton have to do with Mongolia? That's a good question, and I'll answer it in about five or six minutes. Welcome. Corey, Jen, thank you for being with us. Please tell us about what you're doing. So God is up to some amazing things in Mongolia, and we're excited to be headed there soon. Uh, just yesterday when I was scrolling through my Facebook feed, I came across some pictures that our friend, um, who's a pastor named Anka, posted. And there were seven teenagers that were being baptized in the Tamir River. And the Tamir River is in the city of Iktamir, which is in the province of Aranhai, which is in Mongolia, which basically means in the small town in the middle of nowhere, um, in Mongolia, which is basically the middle of nowhere, God is moving and drawing people to himself. Yeah, so, yes, that's, that's exciting. Um, I want to tell you why that I think is especially exciting. Um, so you'll see Mongolia here, up there, here, um, it's, it's landlocked between Russia on top and China on the bottom. And 25 years ago, Mongolia was a, a communist country. It was under the, the umbrella of the Soviet Union. And when, Mongo when communism fell, there were four Christians in the whole country. Four. That's, what, less than the front row here. It's ridiculous. Um, so, but Christianity has experienced explosive growth in the country. Uh, it's gone from four Christians to about 40,000, a little over 40,000 in the last 25 years. Yeah. And so, yes, um, the pictures that Jen talked about, the, um, the baptisms, it is, it is evidence that God is moving in remarkable ways. Um, but it's also kind of a, a scary thing because all of our pastors, they were raised in an era where there wasn't a church. Uh, they don't have access to resources. Um, and yeah, there, there's just, there's a vulnerability of the church. So I'm going to tell you the story of Nara. Uh, Nara is one of our pastors in Mongolia. She's four years older than I am, which means that when she was starting high school, communism was falling. Um, in high school, someone introduced her to Jesus. She became a Christian and felt a call to ministry. So when she graduated high school, instead of going to the engineering college like she was supposed to, she uh, quietly transferred to the Bible college in the capital city and began attending there. Her, huh? Yeah, which is amazing. Within four years, there was a Bible college in the country. Christians were on it. Um, but... But her parents were very angry. They kicked her out of the house. Um, and so for four years, she struggled to pursue her call to ministry. Um, she graduated, became a pastor, and eventually ended up leading her parents to Christ. Um, so Nara is also the pastor of... 
of the Kingdom, um, I love Mongolian church names, so the Kingdom of Eternal Light Wesleyan Church. And um, she has been a pastor there roughly on and off for about 17 years. Um, she is our second youngest pastor, uh, but she is also one of the longest Christians in the country, or, yeah, in the country, and certainly within the Wesleyan denomination. So she's also the national superintendent of the Wesleyan Church. Um, and I asked her recently how I could pray for her. And she shared with me two specific things. One, she's looking for mentors and people who will invest in her. Uh, because she doesn't have a lot of people to look to because there aren't a lot of people who've been doing it longer than she is. Um, and then she also asked for wisdom to be able to raise up and train the next, uh, the next church leaders um, because the church is growing and it needs good, competent leaders who are passionate about what she's passionate about. So one of the fun things about the Mongolian Wesleyan Church is that 80% of our pastors are women. Um, they're all first... They're first-generation believers. They all speak Mongolian um, and mostly only Mongolian. And so their resources are limited. Some of their opportunities are limited because they're not 18-year-olds coming straight out of high school anymore. Dropping everything to go to college and pay for college is a challenge. Uh, but they're passionate about evangelism. They're passionate about reaching the lost for Christ. They're passionate about church planting. Um, and it's clear that God is moving in the hearts of people in Mongolia to respond to him. There's a spiritual hunger um, and people are looking for an identity. And so we want to go pour fuel on that fire. Yeah, so we've been invited uh, by the Mongolian church to come and help bridge the gap between what they have and what they need. Um, and so for the last 10 years, as he said, Jen has been a Bible and theology professor and a pastor. And I've been working in all sorts of different things, doing leadership development and coaching, uh, coaching pastors. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to in about three weeks. We're going um, to help them develop the processes um, to train the next generation of pastors, to train ministers. We're going to provide theological education and we're going to uh, support the economic development that some of our churches have because it's a poor country and the pastors need support. Um, so our plan is, is to be there for eight to 10 years. And during those eight to 10 years, we will do our best to hand off everything that we do to raise up leaders and to hand it off to pastors like Anka and Nara. Uh, we want to see the church thrive. We want to see it grow from 40,000 to 400,000. Wouldn't that be great? So we've been invited to be part of what God is doing in Mongolia, and we want to invite you to be part of that as well. We've got a table in the lobby where we've got a bunch of these prayer cards. We have probably a couple hundred of them. You are welcome to take as many as you want. We also have a newsletter that you can sign up for. Um, but basically, our ministry is supported and sustained by the prayers of our prayer team and gifts of our financial supporters. So if you're interested in partnering with us either in prayer by committing to pray weekly or financially, we'd love to talk with you about that. And if you just want to kind of check out what we're doing, we've got a website, which is ellisonsinmongolia.com. Thanks so much. Two thousand years ago in Jerusalem at the fe festival of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. The disciples came out of the upper room filled with the Spirit of God into a crowd of Jews that had gathered for the festival who were from different nations. They began to say, Jesus is Lord, and everyone heard that in their own home language. Babel was reversed. Peter said, 
There is no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. And the early church took that message to the ends of the earth. The progress of the gospel has no straight line through history. It has been carried by flawed believers in the face of persecution outside and internal issues on the inside. But despite everything, today the message of Jesus Christ is exploding across this planet. I'd like to invite a few examples of this to come up. You know who you are. And while we look at this map here, I want you to see what's going on. You see all the red areas? Guys, those are the areas where Christianity is the majority religion of the world. And you see these other areas that are green or other colors? The Christians are growing like wildfire in those minority areas. For instance, China has 100 to 200 million believers now in that communist country. So, let's see who we've got here. Bobby and Young A, would you come up here for a second? Um, congratulations. I heard that you guys just passed your citizenship exam, and you're going to be 100% official Canadians. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, so, you guys uh, grew up in Korea and lived a lot of your lives there until you recently came here. And you were in England for a little while, too. Uh, Bobby was. Um, but uh, you know how we're doing small groups, guys? Well, well, Young A and Bobby were part of a small group. And small groups, you think small things, right? Young A, can you just answer one simple question? How big was the church that your small group was a part of? How many people went to that church? Yeah, around 100,000 people. <laughs> 100,000 people in a church in Korea. And we thought we were a big church. Thank you. And as we look here, I'd like to invite Aaron and Monica forward. They've come recently from Brazil. And one thing about them is the love of Jesus is all over their faces and all through their hearts. And you guys are just one of millions and millions of Brazilians, South Americans, and Central Americans that are finding a vital personal relationship with Christ. You know, it's been culturally Christian in the Americas forever, but it hasn't meant that much sometimes in terms of spirituality and relationship with Christ. But did you know that there's, here's a crazy statistic. Did you know that 22% of people in Brazil are Pentecostals now? Just Pentecostals. In fact, it's so Pentecostal down there that the Catholics are getting Pentecostal. It's amazing, and we welcome you to our fellowship. Thank you so much. Now, Sujatha and Ravi, would you come on up here? Now, Sujatha Kantarla has been instrumental in helping this whole day come together, so I was wondering if we can give her a round of applause. Thank you, Sujatha, for all you're doing. This is her brother, Dr. Ravi Kantarla, and uh, they can trace their family history in Christ back to 150 years ago when a Baptist missionary went to southern India and worked for over a decade without winning one person for Christ, basically. But then in one month, 9,000 people came to Jesus. And that's their heritage in Christ. But Ravi, you've been here for a couple decades or so, and you keep going back to India. You keep going back to preach the gospel. 
And Dr. Ravi has built not just one church in India, not just two, not just three, not just four, but five churches in India. He's built them, sponsored them, preached at them, paid for them. We thank you for your work in the kingdom, my brother. Thank you very much. Guys, things are happening in this world. Do you see Africa here? See all that red? Do you know that 100 years ago, there was a little red down here and here. There's like 4 million Christians in Africa. Today, almost everybody's a Christian in sub-Saharan Africa, where most of the people live. Almost everybody. Right now, did you know that there's more people who are Christians in Africa than in Europe and North America combined? You've heard the criticism that Christianity is a white man's religion. I just wish the critics would get with the times. Because it's not anymore. Pew Research says that by the year 2060, 42% of the world's Christians will be in Africa. And that's just if they keep having babies. Because that's the story is, guys. The story is, is that Christianity is exploding around the world. Did you know that Muslims are converting to Christianity in the Arab nations, Iran, and Indonesia at a rapid and accelerating pace? Did you know that in the U.S., 20,000 Muslims that had immigrated to the U.S. came to Jesus last year and every year for the last 10 years. 20,000. And something else is happening around the world. It's totally unprecedented. This never happened in world history before, but Jews are now saying that Jesus is their Messiah. In the United States alone, 1.6 million Jews are Messianic Jews. And you know what? If you go and study ministry in little old Sussex here, New Brunswick, and you take a missions class, Dr. Mattathias Friedman will teach you about missions, a Messianic Jew who has taken the gospel to Muslims around the world. Guys, because of your missions giving, we as a church are part of this. We support Carl and Maya Jill and their work in Haiti. We're seeing things happen that are really cool now. Now a Haitian missionary that they've raised up named Wendell Etienne, he's going to go to this green area of Burkina Faso. Green means Muslim. And he's going to share the gospel in this 95% Muslim area. And our church is part of supporting that. And you've met the Ellisons today. We're supporting them as a church from your... When you write down missions on your envelope, that sends the Ellisons to Mongolia. Okay? We help out. We participate with other churches in doing that. Today, one in three people in the world believe in Jesus Christ. And evangelicals are bringing people to Jesus at three times faster uh, the rate of world population growth. We're on fire, guys. We're going worldwide. We dwarf multinational corporations. We are the multinational congregation. Guys, we're the superpower. Or should I say Jesus is the superpower? Together we are an army of love. We charge together towards God's promise of a future where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're not losing, guys. We're winning. And we can win locally now. Right here in Moncton, before our eyes, something unprecedented is happening. I'd like to ask the people of all nations, in other words, the immigrant believers that are in our congregation right now, we're going to sing a song in a second. Can you be the first ones down to the front? Can you come out to the front right now? If you're an immigrant and you're here worshiping with us today, you believe in Jesus, would you come and stand along the front? Brothers and sisters, would you, would you stand along the front with us? And uh, 
I want you to see something. Now, if you are in this congregation and you are a member of the West End Women World Mission Society, which has been going for almost 100 years, sending missionaries, would you please stand up in your spot? Would you please stand up if you're a member of Wesleyan Women? Now, if you've been a missionary anywhere in the world, would you stand up? And because we honor you today, would you stick your hand in the air? Yeah, Pastor Dave, did you know he was a missionary? Yes, we welcome you. We're thankful you're here. If you have gone on a missions trip, would you please stand up right now? If you've been on a short-term missions trip. Okay, if you are a regular giver to missions, you, pay, you do your tithe, but then you do an extra offering for missions, and you write it on your envelope, or you designate it, or you give to another missions organization, would you please stand up? I'd like to introduce you to your spiritual descendants. The evidence of God's faithfulness, the answer to your prayers, what you were working for all these years, stands right here before you guys. Right here, right now, God has opened the largest door for the Great Commission that we have ever seen. And we can walk through it with immigrant believers and Canadian-born believers working together. Guys, I dreamed this two years ago. I wrote it down a year and a half ago. And we just started praying. And these people showed up. And now as the group, we can work together. We can become an integrated body of Christ. We can become a place where people know and love one another and work together to accomplish the Great Commission. We can reach out to the non-believers in our community and something absolutely phenomenal is happening and is going to happen. As the band starts to play, we're gonna have our final worship song I'd like to invite you to mingle, to come down at the front. And the people of all nations, if you want to turn around and, and face the screen as we worship together, um, if you would like to do that, oh, it's so good to see you guys. And then those of you who are working with all nations already in these integrated small groups and other things like that, would you come down with these folks and stand and worship with them? And then if anyone else, I, I invite you to come and mingle and worship. Let's be one. Let's be a team. Let's be a body. Let's move outside our own comfort zones and risk offending someone by saying something stupid. <laughs> and get to know their story and find out how amazing they are and share your gifts with them and together we're gonna become a phenomenal body of Christ. We can join together to accomplish the Great Commission. We can make disciples of all nations. Thank you, church.